Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the amazing John Bucchino. John is a friend of mine, first and foremost. Uh, we got to meet uh, a couple of a few years ago. It's more than a couple of years at this point, um, where I got to sing some of John's beautiful songs, which I'm delighted to say we're going to get to play interspersed uh, throughout this episode. He's an amazing musician, songwriter, singer, piano player, all of it. Uh, he's worked with some of the best in the business. Let me tell you a couple of them because I just want to brag on his behalf. Uh, Art Garfunkel, Judy Collins, Liza Minnelli, Paddy Lapone, Kristen Chenoweth. Brian Stokes, Audra McDonald, I mean unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. Um, musical reviews include It's Only Life. Uh, he has written the music and lyrics for the Broadway musical A Catered Affair. I mean it's all here. Make sure to check it out. He's done a beautiful album with David Campbell that I love in particular. I mean there's so much to get into please check out his music and we talk about it on the episode as i said we're gonna have some really special songs interspersed uh, throughout but it's a really chill chat and i'm very happy to let that be the focus too and um, because much and all as uh, john's music is stunning and so heartfelt um and true and just so gorgeous to listen to on a really basic level he's also such a thoughtful um beautiful human being as well and um we, uh, it was so nice to reconnect because John's always been so kind to me um, and in ways maybe that he doesn't even know kind of has been a mentor as you'll notice throughout this episode there's things that he says that have resonated with me even though we've actually only met like a literal handful of times um, but they're always very meaningful conversations as was this one so I really hope you enjoy in other news uh, the Betty Button Girl has just finished at the new theatre so a massive thank you to everyone who came I actually got to meet some people who I'd never met before who listened to the podcast who I don't uh, know or who I didn't even really have any connection with aside from the podcast so that was so gorgeous um, and you know people were so kind we got gorgeous reviews uh, it seemed to really connect with audiences and it was kind of everything that I could have hoped for so thank you so much uh, for everyone who came out uh, and seen it and um, yeah next up is um, away to the UK this week with Bingo Loco Uh, we are off to Scotland Um, so I'm really excited uh, for that I've never gone abroad with the guys but that show is just a bundle of laughs it's absolutely outrageous Uh, and the most fun you can have with your clothes on although sometimes clothes do come off but uh, I can pretty much assure you that mine will stay on Uh, and then I'm off to Vietnam um, for a month travelling so I've stockpiled episodes that will hopefully last us right the way through uh, my trip and then I'll be back for Copperface Jacks the Musical at the gorgeous Olympia Theatre uh, for the summer and it kind of feels like coming back home with that cast and uh, with the team and um, with one of the most brilliantly hilarious scripts I've ever had the pleasure to read so uh, I really hope you get a chance to go and support that. As always if you are in a position to support us here at Personality Bingo check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash personality bingo, anything you can chip in really goes a long way towards making this podcast all worthwhile if it adds something to your life maybe you could add something to uh, our resources we don't need loads to keep this going but we do need something and um, we're really lucky to have some really uh, it's a small group of patrons but they're very very kind and if you could make that small group that little bit bigger honestly it makes a massive massive difference as blind boy says it's a model based off soundness and if you listen to this podcast I bet you're fairly sound but enough of all that guys please enjoy the wonderful John Bucchino playing personality bingo with Tom Moran
John Bucchino, ready to play personality bingo? So ready. Okay, amazing. So, um, I, yes, and I'm going to say that this is the first ever Skype episode. So thank you so much for doing it because I know I've dragged you out of bed at around, well, probably before <laughs> 8 a.m. or something like that. So I do apologize. Uh, it's 8.30. It's not that bad. 8.30, not too bad. Okay, great. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, so here's how it all works. I have got 60 minutes uh, on the clock Irish time and US time. And I've also got uh, 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. Uh, I've also given you over Skype in a very informal way. Yeah, completely um, foolproof way uh, five numbers <laughs> would you do me a favour and read out the five yes 15 yeah. 22 right. 2 okay. 49 Lovely. and 36 excellent and do me another favour uh, pick a sixth number something between 1 and 60 that's not already there 9 9 excellent any reason for the number 9 I think it's a uh, numerologically it's a very high spiritual number and uh, so I like it Hmm. Okay. What does that What does that mean to you, like, in terms of being a spiritual number? Oh my goodness! Uh, I've just heard that it is that it's like a number. Actually, I guess eight is the number of infinity. But mm. um, I don't know. I've always liked three, and I've always liked nine. Uh, I'm not even sure why. Yeah. And I, I don't really. I don't really know that much about it. But it they, it just you know just appeals to me. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. all about it. Um, and I should say that if all six of them numbers do come up, that means the tables are turned, and at the end of this episode, you can ask me a question, and I'll give you a totally honest answer. How does that sound? Um, a little nerve-wracking because <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I don't know. Then I'd have the pressure of deciding which which one question to ask you because I know that no one has ever gotten all six. So yeah. if I were to be the lucky first person to get six, then I. I'd have to figure out what to ask you, and that would be very uh, traumatic. So I hope I don't get all six. Yeah, let's hope that your <laughs> let's hope your episode remains unique because it's on Skype, not because you. Yes, <laughs> not because I've come up with stuff. I have to. I mean, I have. To, I would feel responsible for asking like a spectacular question. Yeah, I know. I know. It is a yeah. lot to ask, but um, I think we'll be okay. Oh, well. So right, will we okay. give it a spin? First number out. Sure. All right, here we go. First number. It's number fifty-seven. Do you have it? No, I don't. No <laughs> worries. Number 57. Can you think of one thing that everyone likes that you don't like? Well, it seems like Game of Thrones. Uh, there, there are a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of TV, so there are a lot of TV shows that people uh, are obsessed with mm. that I don't see. I, I, they may be wonderful, but I, I don't really watch a lot of TV, so... Um, I, I would say, you know, certain TV shows. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm not on the Game of Thrones buzz either. And, you know, like over in the States, I, I think worldwide, it's just a phenomenon. And as well, yeah. a, a lot of it is shot in Ireland, in Northern Ireland in particular. So, like, it's uh, a massive strand of tourism here. Like, just these big, massive Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones bus tours and all this this mad stuff. And it's actually been really useful for Irish actors because we kind of get employed on, on mm. those shows because, you know, you get really good tax breaks if you shoot here and that kind of thing. Uh, but, um, yeah, I seem to... I don't know if you can relate, but I have a it's it's kind of a, maybe a flaw in my imagination, but it's like anything with dragons, and I'm kind of like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not even that. It really is just that I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, you know, I might I might get. I think I don't want to really get addicted to TV shows because it just is such a time drain. Mm. 
and I'd rather spend my time doing other other things, which is not to disparage anyone who enjoys that. It's I just I don't know. I just don't feel really connected to the whole the whole medium that much. Yeah, and so like that time that you know I don't know what the average person spends you know in a day or a week watching TV, but I imagine that it's fairly sizable. So like, what are the the kind of you know the things that you do that fill your day that aren't TV? Well, I just uh, not just it was two years ago actually. I moved from New York City mm-hmm. after twenty five years in New York. I moved to Tucson, Arizona to look after my uh, elderly mom. She's, she's basically fine, but she, you know, she just needs some, some help. And I, I cook her healthy food because if it weren't for me, she'd be eating frozen TV dinners and horrible stuff. Right. Uh, so I'm trying to keep her healthy and making doctor's appointments because she doesn't want to do that. And I have to drag her to, you know, doctors <laughs> to get things checked out. Um, and that was quite a, quite a shock. Uh, to leave New York after 25 years and come to uh, quiet, sleepy, beautiful Tucson. Um, And I thought I was doing it for her. And it turns out, um, as I think many things do, that I also uh, did it for me. And I didn't realize how much my nervous system needed the calm beauty of this of this place. So, uh, along with the answer to your question, in terms of what I what I do, um, I I love to go walking in the in the desert, and I'm just finding a sort of new a newfound connection with uh, with nature and with the energy of this beautiful place, which is as as you can imagine, radically different from the sort of uh, intense energy of New York City, um, and I, I really, I really need it. It's just a, an, it is a, um, a healing thing for me to just be out in, in nature here. In a world that can bring pain, I will still take each chance for I believe that And so, like, what was that adjustment period like? Because, you know, as we said off mic, like, I'm very lucky to spend, like, even a couple of hours with you in Manhattan. And I've been there since a few times. But, like, it it is unlike anything I've ever been around yep. even comparison to like <laughs> you know dublin's like a buzzing city and london is you know a, like almost a comparable city but like the buzz the energy the concrete mass of new york like i can't imagine like what like that detox must like to get that out of your system and then oh. to move into like i'm sure as you said yourself like the relative quiet of arizona like what were the things that were oh. happening for you in those original weeks and months yeah, one really, that's a great question. And one really fascinating thing that I, that I didn't expect was I, I needed, and this was maybe for the first year and a half, I wanted, um, I didn't want any noise. And, and by noise, uh, I even mean uh, I, I didn't meet anybody. I didn't, make, I didn't make a single friend here in a year and a half. Uh, I spent time only with my mom and by myself and out in, in the desert. 
Um, I could not put any art up on my walls because that felt too noisy to me. Wow. It's so, I mean, I, it was an absolute detox. Uh, I, I just wanted mostly silence, almost like a monk-like sort of, you know, healing process after the, you know, 25 years in, in New York. Uh, so that was the most interesting discovery for me, um, that, that I, I couldn't handle anything other, other than calm and simplicity and quiet. And if you didn't move home and if you didn't get out of New York and if you didn't experience this detox that sounds like it's been so healing, what do yeah. you think, if you were still in the apartment in Manhattan and still living that life, what, right. what do you think you would feel right now and what do you think life would look like now? I think I would continue to be... Uh, to a certain extent, well, for, certainly I would be grasping for, for money because, mm. of course, we know how expensive New York is. Mm. And when you're a musician, uh, especially a songwriter, um, it's, it's tricky and it was increasingly tricky to survive and keep my nose above water financially, uh, even though I've had quite a bit of success um, you know, and, and I, I think probably your listeners, if they heard uh, sort of my bio in terms of what I've done, they would think, oh, well, my gosh, he must be rolling in, in money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it, it you know, uh, having a connection with, with the world, with your art uh, at the level that I have doesn't, doesn't uh, indicate or doesn't always correspond with uh, making a lot of money, you know? Uh, so, um, I think that I would, if I were still in New York, I would be caught up in sort of making money to survive, which, uh, was in a way compromising my art because everything I did, I was thinking about how much money is this going to bring in? Uh, and even taking things I wouldn't necessarily have taken because I needed the cash. Um, and the other thing that I think I'd still be hooked into if I were there is, and this is a, a fascinating thing to see now from the outside, because I feel like part of the detox has been letting go of this grasping, desperate, uh, societal definition of what success is. Mm. Um, and I think all my life I had that and it was amplified living in New York because everybody else there, especially every artist or most artists there seem to have it as well and to buy into it, which is I'm only as successful as the amount of money that I've made off my art, uh, as the, 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 the far, uh, the, the sort of distance that it reaches out into the world, uh, the commercial viability of it, the awards that I might get for it, you know, and, and using those external things to measure success. And uh, I don't do that anymore. I'm not hooked into that societal definition of, of success anymore. And that has perhaps been the greatest gift in, in, uh, in leaving 
the the rat race sort of and and coming to this quiet little place and to what extent do you think that's to do with i mean obviously you said you know for the first 18 months you were like you know nearly on that like silent retreat buzz of like really just being around your your mom and not like talking to 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 really anyone whereas in in new york i mean like what we were saying you know interaction is kind of forced on top of you and then you've lived there for so many years you know so many people i imagine within the industry there have so many friends who i imagine are artists of different you know so how how much of that was was i suppose you know moving out and having the time you know by yourself and and to go within yourself maybe a little bit deeper and having that space versus not being around those people like who i'm sure we all have our lives where we can look over our shoulder and go oh well you know so and so you know has you know a, a, no. a movie out and a show on, on broadway and so and so's you know writing songs for beyonce yeah. or whatever it looks like yeah what yeah. what what was it more or was it a bit of both was it all of it uh i still kept in touch with my my close friends hmm. and and would have you know it's not like i had no social interaction but it wasn't with new people it was all with you know, dear people that are already in my life. And, you know, that might mean a three hour phone <laughs> chat uh, to reconnect. And that was, was beautiful. Um, but, but mostly in those chats, we were talking not about, you know, what we were doing as much as uh, what we were feeling and what our perceptions of life are and how, we are changing as we as we grow older and you know kind of deep i guess it, it's just in general it's just a deepening uh of consciousness and and maybe that happens to, to everybody as they get older maybe it was just a, a function of of age uh even more than than relocation but but being here and being quiet enough to notice that and really give in to that um, has been has been a big shift. And did you come up against like because you know like we mentioned off air like say we we haven't properly due to geography mainly got to see each other yeah. you know since two thousand and fourteen. So yeah. I'm curious about and like. Do do people who were you know in your life on a more you know consistent basis and who you're you're seeing all the time? Because for me, as someone who hadn't seen you in a long time, I didn't really know you know what was going on. I I know you'd mentioned that you you know it was to do with your mom growing older, but was it like people who, you know who were still in in New York? Because we have it here with like actors, and sometimes actors are like, you know what, like I'm 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 fed up with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And they'll you know they'll stop acting and they'll go get a a regular job and be that bit more financially secure. Right. Was there that perception with you? And like what's your relationship to songwriting now? Is it very much still what you're doing, just doing it in Arizona? Oh. Or do people think that you, you know, plugged out and it's like, oh, you know, John doesn't do this, he doesn't live the New York life, he's not an artist in the same yeah. way. Was this something going yeah. on in your head or in your reality? Um I just made the leap. Um I I I I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, you know, plan to uh, I didn't plan for all the changes that have have come. I just first of all, you know, I knew that my mom needed me mm-hmm. and I think uh, that was the primary motivation and I also knew I think on some level that I needed uh, uh, relief from the pressures 
uh, of being in New York, especially the financial pressures, but there were other pressures, of course, as well, uh, the pressures to, quote, achieve. Um, so I knew that I had to come here. And once I made the decision, which was a pretty radical decision, because mm -hmm. obviously it meant a huge life change. Um, and I hope that, you know, you and your listeners, if you, if you have these big life changes that they feel as right and as inevitable and as timely and perfect as, as this did for me. Once I made the decision to do it, and it actually sort of clicked over into, yes, I'm doing this, mm. everything just fell into alignment and everything happened, uh, I won't say effortlessly, because, you know, moving your life across the country after a long time, it, it, was, it was demanding, but not for one second uh, did I or have I thought, oh my God, I've made a terrible mistake. It always has felt like the absolute right thing to do without knowing all of what it was going to mean and how it was going, exactly how it was going to unfold. But it has unfolded in the most miraculous way. With regard to writing, um, shortly before I left New York, there was uh, talk about this commission, uh, and and to to certainly to me, and I think to many many writers and artists, commission is the most beautiful word you could ever hear, right. because it means somebody is going to give you money to make you know to make art, which is just spectacular, uh, and I got this fairly large commission to write a piece for um, solo uh, chorus and soloists, which I'd never done, uh, from the gay men's choruses of Boston and San Diego. And it was would pay enough money to survive here for like a year. Because my, luckily, my mom is not charging me rent to, to, live, to live, live in her house, which she already owns. So that was good. Um, and so that was just one of the many extraordinary, you know, synchronicities or, or gifts or, you know, whatever you would call it, that the benefits that I got from just making a leap of faith to come here and, and, you know, be of service to somebody else. Um, I got this great commission and I, I finished that piece uh, and I'm really proud of it. It's the most beautiful little, little children's sort of uh, musical uh, based on a, a sweet children's book about, about bullying and uh, self-worth and things like that, which is sort of right up my alley because I, I like you know, writing about something that's going to be helpful uh, and a good message. Mm. And after I finished that, I thought, well, gosh, this commission thing is pretty cool. Uh, I sure would like to get a, another commission. And I'm not kidding you, about two weeks later, um, 
I, I got another <laughs> commission to write uh, two songs for this uh, fellow's one man, one man show. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and they are going to, he's a political activist. And once a year he does this one man show that's, he invites all of his rich friends to come and they give donations to uh, a, uh, an organization for uh, homeless LGBTQ young people. Mm. So again, it's writing for something that is not a big commercial thing or going to get any grand attention, but that provides some income and also is for something that's a really beautiful cause. So, so the writing, it's, it's coming to me, but it's coming to me in, in a way that's more in alignment with where I am sort of, you know, uh, emotionally and, and, and psychologically and spiritually. Yeah. So that, that, no, that's so beautiful. And it's so, it's so gorgeous to hear that. Like, I mean, that the leap was, was kind of rewarded in this way that like, I'm sure can't help but feel like, well, that's just the universe saying that it was, you know, it was a little bit right to, to, to go when you did. And maybe at the same time, um, (laughs) I I, I know, and I'm sorry, I don't mean, I, in no way am I interested in focusing. It's, I love all of this. It's just, are we, are we ever going to get another, another bingo ball? Have you ever had somebody talk where you've only gotten one, one ball? Yeah, we have actually once, and it was it's like one of the best episodes for sure. <laughs> yeah, because okay. it just means it just means I find you endlessly uh, interesting, and I don't need the I don't need the help. So it, it take uh, take it as a as a deep compliment. But I was curious about that because you know, like speaking of what you mentioned in you know in New York, and as a lot of artists do, and and especially like New York being like like the hub of commercialism as it is, you know that value that we put on like you know our art versus like the financial income and the financial stability that it does or doesn't give us. What like was there an element then when you you know I know I know it wasn't as simple as like feeling like priced out of New York at all because as you said there were no. deeper reasons like you know family and and mom and just like a spiritual yeah. need for you know a change of 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 pace right. and, and lifestyle but like for me certainly while like I've had those moments in my life like you know brains are complicated and like oftentimes I'll have like another nagging thing being like yeah well you know like this is a little mini failure though because like you know I I can imagine if I was doing something like that 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 kind of a thought might pop up for me did you have did you have those moments where it was like we're leaving like oh. New York and all it represents and like all sure. you know you have you having worked on on Broadway and had shows on, on Broadway and worked all over the city and beyond you know was that an element uh, that was were they little pop ups in your brain? Yeah, of course. But I think you know being your age and being my age are very different. And also, I've had a lot of the kinds of successes. I think if I hadn't had this you know, successes that I've had, Mm. it would feel like even more of a cop-out or more of a failure. Um, But having had, you know, the show, it was actually only one show on Broadway. Uh, And that was plenty, believe me. Um, (laughs) It was, and and seeing the, the reality of that and the fact, oh, wait a minute, you know, this is, this is a goal that most, that many, many people have as the number one sort of bucket list item in their whole life. If I could just get, you know, writers, if I could just, or designers, if I could just have a show on Broadway, that's going to be the pinnacle of, and when I had it, it wasn't the pinnacle. 
Mm. You know, it, it wasn't, it was fascinating. It was, it felt like a, you know, a big accomplishment because many people, most people don't get to have that experience, but it didn't complete me, <laughs> you know, it didn't, yeah. you know, and so having had, uh, you know, uh, albums and, and tours and, and the Broadway show and, and, you know, acknowledgement from some wonderful artists, actually the best thing has been the acknowledgement from artists whose work I admire mm -hmm. noticing my work. Uh, but, but, um, so I didn't feel, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm a big loser and I'm, I'm, you know, running away with my tail between my legs to get out of New York and I'm giving up on all this. Um, it didn't feel like giving up as much as it felt like letting go and mm. detaching from the need for all the, for the trappings that go along with that stuff. And in, in fact, the ego uh, stuff that goes along with that. And I, you know, I still waffle. There's still part of me that thinks, oh, you're just rationalizing because you are a big loser and you have given up on that. And you're just turning it into something positive by saying, oh no, I'm just detached from it. And I've risen above it in some way. Uh, you know, and there is a voice inside me that says, you know, uh, that, that sort of still is spinning that sort of, uh, narrative that I have, I bought in, but, but the deepest truth feels like, you know what, that stuff isn't important. Um, it just isn't important. Uh, and it's, it's, I, I feel like I've been been liberated uh from that hamster wheel uh in a way you know no it's no it and, it, and, it, and you know it doesn't sound like that either like it sounds like as you were talking i was just like this is so useful to hear this is so beautiful yeah. like that idea of yeah. letting like letting go and and you know and it's about like the feeling as you said like intellectually you know, the idea of, yes, the Broadway show and all the success and acclamation, and I'm sure to a degree, you know, certainly the prospect of, you know, great financial reward and all that. Yes, yes, yes. But then, like, <laughs> but then the feeling, as you said, of, of writing yeah. a beautiful song that you believe in for, you know, uh, yeah. gay men's chorus about, like, you know, um, bullying. Core, core I, values. You know, yeah. yeah, that you yes. hold. Like, the, that's the thing, actually. That's really the that's thing. That's the thing. Yeah. And the, and the, the, you know, not to say that there's anything wrong with making art and having it get out into the world or being in alignment with uh, the, you know, commercial success and all that that brings. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But if that's, I feel like for me, I shouldn't, shouldn't say it uh, for anybody else, mm. but I feel like, you know, if that is my primary motivation it's the wrong one gotcha yeah you know yeah completely. and and the interesting and beautiful uh upshot has been like i said that all kinds of beautiful opportunities to express my creativity both in writing and in uh performance uh i'm um i'm starting to uh do shows with two of my dear friends and very favorite songwriters and performers. Um, uh, one is uh, Amanda McBroom, who wrote a song called The Rose. Uh, 
that you may or may not yes. know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the other is my friend uh, Anne Hampton Calloway, who is just one of the best singers in the universe. Uh, she sings in a restaurant by the sea on my grateful. Oh, gorgeous. Album. Yeah, of course. Yeah, she's incredible. Uh, and she, and this is another fascinating thing, Anne and her wife, Kari, moved to Tucson about a year, year and a half after I got here. And I didn't know anybody. And suddenly I had two dear friends come who also have a, a big circle of friends here built in because Kari is from here. Their family's here. And uh, I sort of got you know, embraced by their friends. And now I'm little by little forming uh, a circle of friends. And Anne often has those kinds of evenings that I loved so much in New York, where a bunch of people gather around the piano and, you know, and sing and, and share songs and things like that. And so one of the things I was missing mo most uh, about New York were those beautiful evenings around the piano. And now uh, I get to have those here. Uh, and also, Anne and I are going to be doing some shows together uh, as well. And Amanda and I are going to be doing our show, bringing the show that we did in L.A. Uh, to New York, to Birdland uh, in December. And Anne and I are doing a couple of concerts here. So other things, beautiful things that I would not have uh, anticipated are, are happening and blossoming here in the desert. It's it's terrific. Yeah, that's so gorgeous. Okay, I promise we are going to spin again, but I just have a couple more Let's questions. Let's spin again. <laughs> yeah, give, me, okay. give, me, give me two minutes. Give me two minutes. Cause, okay, you go, Tom. That's all right. Because yeah. is, this is as much for our listeners as it is for me because it's we haven't talked in a long time. And I feel like, as you, actually, you once said in a workshop thingy that we did, you were like, you know, uh, the, the deeper you go, the more personal you go, the more universal it gets. So I feel like if I have this chat for yeah. me, our listeners will enjoy it. Um, but I did want to know about that idea of moving home, like to care for your mom. What was her attitude to, you know, having, you know, her son move back who, you know, I assume hasn't lived there in like 30 plus years. And then what? Well, what yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. just to um, a follow up to that. Yeah. Uh, and what has that been like? For you, because I know when I move home, sometimes I find myself becoming a little more childish or slipping back into patterns or being triggered in the way that only yeah. families can trigger. And just all of that conflux of things. What does that yeah. look like? Yeah, yeah. Um, she was in utter disbelief that I would ever do it. Mm -hmm. uh, when I told her that I might do it, she, she was shocked, uh, delighted because my dad died seven years ago. And um, so she spent five years completely on her own and uh, was, you know, increasingly fearful about doing the wrong thing, not paying a bill, missing, you know, balancing her checkbook. She, she can't con conceive of that stuff. She's really not good at it. It's, a, it's remarkable that she managed, you know, for five years uh, doing that on her own. So she was shocked and incredulous that I would actually do it. Um, when I did it, she kept thinking that I was going to change my mind uh, and want to move back. And uh, uh, the first time I went back to New York for a visit about, I guess, about six months after I moved here, um, she was terrified that I was going to just say, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I have to move back to New York. <laughs> and I called her. I got off the, the plane and 
immediately in the taxi line at, at uh, uh, LaGuardia, I think it was, there was a, an, an altercation, you know, somebody like trying to take my cab and whatever. I mean, it was some harsh reminder of the energy uh, of New York. And I called her from the taxi and said, okay, I just have to tell you that my, my initial feeling upon ar arriving here was get me out of here. <laughs> and every time I go back, that is, although I have fun and I'm there for a week or two and I see, you know, lovely friends and that my, my feeling is, oh, good Lord, I can't wait to get home. Wow. Um, and, and Tucson actually was never my home. This is not where I grew up. My parents just happened to move here because my sister had moved here. And so they they moved here uh, as well. But other than visiting them for, you know, a, a week or so at a time, I'd never lived here. Um, and coming, of course, into your mom's home is is a shock. And uh, there was kind of a, a clearing phase where all of those old childhood buttons you know, got pushed and there were some blow ups and there were some, you know, where I wasn't as patient and loving as I would like to be. Mm. Um, but but actually now, because of her age, he's 88. The the uh, I didn't retreat to being a little kid. Actually, it's flipped. And now increasingly, she's the child and I'm the parent. Wow. And that is another profound lesson in uh, in, in in really parenting uh, that I've I've never had. I you know I don't have kids and and won't have will never have kids, but I'm I'm getting a little bit of a sense of what it's like to be a, a, a parent because I'm a caretaker, and so. It's a constant lesson in patience, I'd say, is the, is the big one. Mm. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, just trying to stay in a place of, uh, of, of love and kindness and service. And I think it's a big, giant lesson that I, you know, because, you know, one gets to be very selfish, when one is an artist uh, and one can rationalize that selfishness by saying, you know, well, I just need to be this self-involved in order to create. And another giant lesson in being here is letting go of that, letting go of that, a kind of selfishness because I, you know, I don't come first anymore. She does. And that is a big splash of cold water. That is a big wake up, wake up call. So, and does that idea of being the caregiver and obviously, you know, yeah, it, it's so it's interesting. So first of all, does how does that sit well with you? Are you enjoying that role? And I guess maybe then to flip it to what you said about you know that you will never have kids. Is that something that that you had wished for or do wish for in? in life and I guess because that's a lesson like oftentimes you hear that you know when when someone does have kids they they learn that lesson that you're learning now with your mom right in that way yeah. so um it, it, yeah in terms of those two things how do how do they sit with you uh it was not something that I wanted it was not something that I 
uh, expected uh, to do, I kind of pushed it out of my mind because I think we don't want to think about our parents getting older and needing us. Mm. Uh, we'd, it's easier to just be in denial about, about that because it's also, you know, another component of being here and watching her age is the realization that, oh, wait a minute, I'm not that far behind, right. you know, oh, what is my own aging process going to bring? And, you know, it's really sobering. It's a very adult perspective to, you know, accept and ultimately embrace. But, um, you know, there's just, I just feel like I, I have to be here. It is what I am. It is what I'm supposed to be. Uh, and I think that's why the whole move felt so right and so inevitable is because it's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's the thing from which I'm supposed to learn at this point in my life. And so I completely accept it. And that doesn't mean that there are times when I don't need to just say, Okay, I've, you know, I've all day has been about you, uh, about taking you to a doctor, about, you know, shopping and, and taking you to do this and doing this and making these phone calls to the bank to get this sort of blah, 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 whatever. It's all been about you and I need some time for me. So I'm going to go in my, you know, room and shut the door and just, you know, do me stuff. Um, you know, that that happens. But it's it's the right thing. It's the right thing. Gorgeous. Okay, let's give it a spin. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly don't have to worry about getting six uh, correct. To, no, you to see, ask I was just I was doing you yeah. a favor. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that, Tom. Um, it's three and seven, number thirty-seven. Do you have it? Not even close. Okay. <laughs> no worries. Number okay. thirty-seven. Oh well. Speaking. Oh. Of, speaking of, uh, if you yeah. were, to, it, it's a child question. If you were to have a child, would you bring them up with religion? Um. No. Mm. I would certainly be open to them discovering whatever spiritual practice resonates for them, because I think religion can be a doorway to spirituality, and I think. A, some kind of spiritual connectedness to something bigger um, is a good thing. Uh, but I don't think for me anyway, that organized religion is the, is the, the pathway to that connectedness. So I would, I would let them find their own way and encourage uh, sort of humanistic qualities and values mm. that hopefully would make them a good person and open them up to whatever kind of connection with spirituality feels right for them. Mm. And so, like, it was interesting when you were speaking about, you know, the, the switch to Arizona and obviously the desert. And I've never come into contact with the desert, right? But it, it, yeah. it like, because we could, it, it couldn't be further from, like, the Irish landscape in terms of all the lush yeah. and greenness. Come, come and visit, Tom. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Well, I, come I, and visit got... and do a little southwestern tour. You could do the Grand Canyon, which is extraordinary. You could do uh, Sedona, which is 
which is uh, a, a, a high energy spot. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you're fine. But I mean, yeah, yeah, like what a what a trip that would be. No, for for yeah. for sure that goes in the bucket list. But in terms of, it sounded like earlier when you were speaking about it that that's been you know a strand of spirituality that you've discovered since you know moving into that environment yeah. and like and actually on a kind of practical level just for like our listeners and for myself who who don't understand what the desert looks like and what that means so are you driving out into like uh, you know uh, like a dusty motorway and parking the car and and exiting or can you walk from the house where you live at the moment into i can walk into i'll send you some some photos oh, gorgeous. um uh, which sadly you won't be able to share with your <laughs> listeners through the podcast, but um, it's just profoundly beautiful. Mm. I mean, and and uh, I can uh, first of all, the connection with with nature began when I when I arrived, and like the first week I was here, I uh, I saw a coyote walking around the corner of our you know, uh, our street, like right outside of our house. And, you know, in New York, the only wild animals are rats and pigeons, <laughs> really. Right. And to see, you know, a coyote and we have, you know, rabbits in our yard and, and lizards and hawks and hummingbirds. And, um, you know, that's pretty extraordinary. And then just a five minute, because we live in a, a wonderful development uh, of homes that is beautifully landscaped and, and uh, is pretty much re right next to uh, uh, just wild wilderness areas. So um, I can ride my, take a maybe five minute, 10 minute bike ride and be, and then lock my bike up to this little fence and then walk out into absolute wilderness desert with, you know, it looks like a cowboy movie mm. with the big giant saguaro cactuses, you know, the big tall ones that yeah. uh, you see in, in movies and a beautiful a mountain. We have a mountain right near us called Sombrero Peak that looks like a Mexican sombrero hat. Okay. Uh, and I, I just love it. But also, you know, beyond just the physical beauty and the sort of otherworldly uh, sort of desert scape uh, of it all, the, this place is on um, a, a ley line, that's L-E-Y, uh, an energy, there's, there's, if you believe in this, there's an energy grid uh, around the earth. And there are, in fact, power points on the earth um, that, you know, certainly uh, Stonehenge and, and Avebury in, in, and Glastonbury in the UK are some really powerful spots. And it's almost like if the earth had acupuncture points, hmm. uh, you know, or mer meridians where, you know, where, where the energy flows like our, like our bodies do. Um, so this area is on a, a, a one of those sort of power, power points or one of those power lines of the earth. And it's, it's absolutely palpable. You can, you know, I mean, I can certainly feel it. Um, and so to just walk out in this wilderness and see 
you know, jackrabbits hopping away and coyotes running around. And uh, I haven't seen a rattlesnake uh, yet. I did see one crossing the road when I was driving, uh, but I did see a tarantula, which was really cool. And it's, it's just, I keep saying profound, but it's, mm. it's absolutely profound. And, you know, I hope that, that you and, and your listeners can find this kind of connectedness somewhere, wherever it is. Maybe it's in the middle of Dublin. I don't, you know, I don't know. Mm. But it's, it's a geographical aid to deepening a spiritual connection. Completely no. I mean, and I mean that maybe that's one of the one of my favorite things about Ireland. Perhaps is, I mean, yeah. how, how how small it is. You know, like I imagine yeah. it, it's pot, like it's certainly smaller than most American states. I'd imagine. You know, yeah. so so like there. Like, I, I'm really lucky to have a, a place. You've probably heard me talk about it on the podcast. In fact, I remember when you were over in Dublin one of the times and after one of the shows... You invited me. Yeah. You said I should come. Yeah, yes. for, for real. And my parents are so... They're so open with that. And they, they want to share because for, for us and my family, that's our desert. You know what I mean? And now it couldn't yeah. be more different from the desert. It's right on the coast. I mean, there's nothing between... Uh. It's the coast of Donegal. So there's nothing between there... And America, you know what I mean? It's just so it's uh, just been battered by the uh, Atlantic Ocean, and it's so beautiful. Uh, and like rolling here, you're like you're looking at like the most spectacular cliffs you've ever seen to the longest sandiest beaches you can imagine. Then like there's mountains. It's like it's like something out of Lord of the Rings or something. You know what I mean? Uh, he says, okay. "I'm coming. That's yeah. it. I'll I'll be there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for <laughs> yeah, real. Definitely. Whenever you're back, which I hope is soon, um, it's spectacular. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm so happy you found it. Right, let's give it another spin. Okay. Okay, here we go. It's number 45. Do you have it? Oh, gosh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get a single one. Yeah. That's fine. Well, hey, number 45. Oh, we're, going, we're staying kind of spiritual. Do you believe in an afterlife? Uh, gosh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think, I think I believe in... Yes, I, I think I, I think I do. Um, I certainly believe in uh, many lives, mm. uh, as you know, uh, uh, because I've been regressed back to several lifetimes. How about that? Uh, and uh, so I, I think we live and then we die, and there's some sort of halfway station or way station that we go to something, some energetic place. And then I think we come back and we live a different life and learn more. And I don't know if we're collecting karmic brownie points that enable us to eventually not have to come back and learn more, or if it's just an, an endless cycle. I haven't, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I believe in something mm. uh, afterwards and I and and in this sort of cycle of of rebirth, I do definitely. Like I said, there was one extraordinary uh, past life experience that um, that happened 
when I was in the midst of when when the show was coming to Broadway. I think I think you might have I think you might have told me this story before, and it, it's yeah yeah please <laughs> please 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 yeah it's it's sort of huge for me anyway. I just I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, so I was a, a, just a wreck. I mean, you know, the pressures of uh, having a show come to Broadway and everybody wanting it to be this and to be that and you know uh you know and and are are people going to like it are the reviews going to be good it's just enormously stressful so i was just a mess and a friend of mine said um said well why don't you there's this wonderful psychic that i know she's out on long island and you can have a phone session with this psychic and I was like, yes, anything, I'll, I'll do anything, you know, I'll, I'll talk to anybody that might be helpful. So we were speaking and uh, she had this Long Island accent. She really didn't sound like, you know, a, a, a mystic uh, at all. Um, and I told, I expressed my anxiety about the, 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 the Broadway opening. Uh, and she said, you know, I think this is a past life issue. Can I regress you? And I'd been regressed before, but only in person. I, and I was like, well, you can do that over the phone? She was like, oh, sure. So I put on my little headset and lay down on my couch and relaxed. And she guided me through a, a guided meditation, which ended with uh, you're in a tunnel and there's a door at the end of the tunnel and there's a bright light coming from behind the door. Open the door and tell me where you are. And I said, uh, I'm in a kitchen. And she said, uh, how old are you? And I said, I'm uh, 15. And she, 15 or 17, I don't remember. I think 15. She said, what year is it? And I said, like 1742. And uh, she said, who else is in the kitchen? Uh, and I said, my mother, my father, and my little sister. She's silly. Like I was 15, like a 15 year old would say about his little sister. She's silly. Mm. And, uh, and she said, where are you? I said, I'm in Southern Europe. And she said, what do you do? And I said, I play the violin. And she said, what's your name? And I said, Joseph. And she said, okay, go forward a little bit in time. And where are you now? And I burst into tears and she said, okay, calm, you know, calm down. Where are you? Why, why are you crying? And I said, I'm on the steps of the conservatory. I'm about to start studying here and it's too big and I'm not good enough, which is exactly how I was feeling in this lifetime about Broadway. It's too big and I'm not good enough. And that was the connection. And then she said, "Okay, go forward a little bit in time. Have you left the conservatory? And I said, no, I'm now I'm, I'm here, but now I'm a teacher. And she said, and what are you teaching? And I said, I'm teaching how the beauty of music and art can enrich our lives. And I burst into tears again because I wasn't feeling that connection at all in my, in my current life. I was just feeling the pressure and feeling like this is horrible. Uh, and then she said, okay, uh, go forward. She said, are you married? And I said, no. And she said, go forward to your death. And she said, what year is it? I said, 1803. And she said, "Uh, um, is your family with you? And I said, there is no family. It's just the woman who keeps my house or cleans my house. 
And that was the end of that, you know, uh, uh, sort of past life regression. But it wasn't because I got off the phone with her and I thought, well, gosh, you know, I know this this guy was born if, if he was 15 in 1742, he was born in 1727 or whatever it was. It was something like that. And he died in 1803 and his name was Joseph and he played the violin. And I, I went online and I found him. He was a real person. And I fully believe that that was me. Uh, he was a violinist. He was a composer. He was a teacher. And uh, I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. And uh, I got really excited and called her back. And she could not have been more blasé about that. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sometimes people find them. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> I was like, no, you don't understand. All the, de all the details were exactly what I told you. And she was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was pretty cool. That, that is one of the greatest stories like I've ever heard. I, it's, it's, it's one of my best, that's for sure. Oh, man. But to have that visceral experience of, oh, my gosh, of course there's, you know, re reincarnation, mm. uh, which I always believed in. But to have it have such a concrete, you know, evidence of it was just beautiful. I loved it. And, you know, obviously there was the, the obvious lesson in that moment that you needed to hear about the show and all the commercialism yes. and all that that comes with Broadway and yep. and all of this. And then, but that must be a kind of profound, so like that's a lesson to be learned like right there in the moment and hopefully a reminder that, well, no, I'm not making it for the reviewers. I'm not making it for the producers. I'm making it because like, you know, like art right. is a huge part of my life and I'm trying to, you know, make people feel right. something and make people feel less alone right. in the world or whatever your message is. Sure. And then she skips yeah. you forward to your deathbed and yeah. and you're alone with, you know, a woman yeah. who who who's paid yeah. to be there. Uh, right. Which is just, I mean, I don't know, there's a starkness to that that, that is just yeah. very striking. And I was wondering, yeah. what, like, what had you re reflected on on that and and that past life and did it like how did that feel in the context of your life now um well it's i think that having i uh, think that maybe we accumulate knowledge that sometimes that sticks with us in some way from life to life um i think that my whatever musical ability I have now, uh, and since I started when I was very, very young, I started playing piano by ear uh, when I was one. So that doesn't just, I think that some of that was a carryover mm. um, from, that, from that life. Um, I haven't really uh, sort of extrapolated any prof, any you know, thing from my life in terms of that, oh, he died alone and, you know, other than that we do mm. ultimately, no matter who's around us, that's, that's sort of a, you know, a little trip we take unaccompanied. Um, one thing that, that came up when you were talking about the, the Broadway experience, um, one wonderful gift of, you know, getting your work acknowledged in a larger way 
is that for certainly for me as a musician, you have the privilege and the gift of seeing the work amplified by other components. You know, it's orchestrated. A lot of actors with, you know, different characters are singing it. It's all amplified uh, and presented in a bigger way than, than I certainly could ever do on my, on my own. And I think that's another general life lesson for me uh, is about collaboration. Because when I started writing, uh, when I was like 15 or 16, I, I wanted to do it all myself. And I created this little world of my art that excluded, other than in, in listening to it, excluded other people from participating because it was my safe place. Mm. And so nobody else could come into that little safe room that I created where I could escape the world and make art. And then suddenly, you know, you're asked to collaborate and other people come in and they bring things into your room, which are pretty cool, but they also rearrange your furniture, which isn't very good, which feels very disruptive and, and can feel really threatening and, and uh, uh, scary, mm. you know? Uh, so I think for me, one of my learning curves is to learn to gracefully collaborate and benefit from other people's input. And that was a great, gift of you know uh of the new york experience in, in in general and and broadway specifically yeah 100 percent. i mean yeah like i and it's funny it, it's it's funny you say that because it's definitely something that's come up in in my life you know especially when you are mm. uh you know obviously you're a writer and you know i know that as you said that you collaborate with so many wonderful singers and stuff but you're also a performer in and of yourself i mean in the the solo concerts you've done and like the you know piano yeah. albums you've done and all this yeah. um so yeah i mean that's a lesson that like I, I probably can never hear enough is like yeah to to let people in and to to let all to right. let their talents you know wash over what you like you know what what you've hopefully brought and and that it's okay that maybe it doesn't look exactly like how you thought because now it right. it looks like this new thing and, and there's so much beauty in that as well right and also discovering who you are not only by being solitary but by defining yourself in the midst of other people right mm -hmm. because when somebody is you know pushing an idea of of theirs um if it you learn about who you are by how uh, whether or not that resonates for you and how you set a boundary as to you know that didn't feel that doesn't feel right to me mm. well by saying that doesn't feel right to me uh you're defining yourself as an artist so there's the, the other benefit of working with other people is that it further enables you to define your artistic values uh, as 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 you know as different from from theirs, and I think that's great because it enables you to develop your own voice even more. Yeah, that's so true. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. It's really that's a really good recontextual recontextualization almost. That's really useful, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, right, 
We've got time for one more spin. Okay. Can I just say that yeah. I, I just in 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 listening to your podcast as as regularly as I as I do and loving it as much as I do, that um, I wish we were closer because I just you're just such a great guy. I really, as a person, what comes through in, in the podcast makes me want to be your friend even more because you just come across so wonderfully as such a, a you know an ethical kind good spirit and and uh so i'm happy to speak with you but but i hope that we can have you know more connection in the future because you know uh, just based on the podcast i just like you more and more you're just such a such a great guy oh that's so that's genuinely so meaningful and i was as we were skyping i was like Oh, like, we don't need the reason of a podcast to Skype. It w- I would love to be one of your New York friends who we, you know, we yeah. touch base with for, for an hour every, you know, few months and just... Uh, I would love that. Okay, let's make yeah, let's make a promise before we do our last spin that that's something we will do going forward. And now it's on record Absolutely. in the podcast, so if we don't do it, okay. people can call bullshit on us and it's fine. <laughs> no, and then you ha- you have to come to Tucson and I have to come to Ireland, your, to your family's home and spend some wonderful time out there yeah for sure okay sounds like a plan yeah. right okay. okay we sorted it right let's go last one okay um it is number 42 do you have it nope <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay my record is intact oh well this is actually this is interesting because um the question is if there was one thing you could change about blank what would it be so normally that is ireland but because we have a a lovely guest from the united states if there was one thing uh, about the united states that you could change what would it be oh my god (laughs) our president (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i mean come on (laughs) right horrifying so yeah that that's pretty much it yeah uh, and, and, you know, and broader, more, more broadly than that, you know, the um, governmental focus on power and greed, uh, it would be nice if that were shifted in a more humanistic way. And, and the focus was, you know, people as opposed to greed mm-hmm. and selfishness and power. And, you know, having moved from somewhere like New York, where obviously, as we said, it, you know, there's such a focus on, on, on like wealth and commercialism and all this, but also it's a hodgepodge of so many, you know, ethnicities and beliefs and sexualities no. and everything. Then moving to no. somewhere like Arizona, which I imagine is like a much more, um, well, I, I imagine just like by virtue of the like population stuff, it's more uh, traditional, possibly conservative. Have you, yes. ha, what's that uh, adjustment been like in your talk? to people on the ground there what are the have you noticed yeah. tangible differences um well it's interesting yes new york is the uh, by virtue of its uh, diversity and sort of cosmopolitan nature um and and its 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 politics is are, are much much more liberal than they are in general in arizona uh certainly in the rural areas of uh, Arizona and Phoenix is a very conservative city, which is about an hour and a half, two hours away from here. But Tucson, where I live, um, is a, a blue dot in the middle of red uh, Arizona. And certainly the people that I, and I haven't met that many people, quite honestly, but the people that I have met are all politically like-minded 
and more uh, progressive and humanistic and, you know, are in as much horror about our uh, national political situation as as I. Mm. So I, I haven't really dealt with anyone um, that has a differing opinion. My mom, however, has uh, with the, there, you know, women, there's a little clubhouse and she plays cards, you know, uh, canasta once a week. And she said, oh, there's this one woman and she's like pro Trump. And she just goes on and on. And she said, none of the rest of us, we just don't say anything. We just kind of try to quietly change the subject because, of course, they, they don't agree with her at all. She's, you know, but but the good news is, you know, uh, she's in the minority mm. Uh, and, uh, they, they don't, they don't engage uh, with her because you're not going to change people's mind, uh, minds. But, um, I haven't really come across, um, uh, any, you know, conservative people, uh, in my, in my circle of friends, uh, my, my slowly growing circle of friends here. Sure. And okay, so I'm going to ask you an impossible question to end because why not? Uh, oh, but, but in terms okay. of like upcoming elections, and obviously, you know, it must be an interesting uh, time because you know these things tend uh, to like ebb and flow, and uh, you know, yeah. obviously, well, I, I, I yeah. don't. I mean, it's it, it maybe it's hard to get from here. Like, isn't it's amazing how much you know Trump is just all over our news? I mean, it's it's like way. Like it is, it is number one. Like most of the time, I would say, you know, in yeah. Ireland, I, I mean, between that and Brexit, you know, there's these two kind yeah. of. And Ireland as a country has kind of got is like one in, you know, really pushed the opposite way. You know, I'm sure when you were here, like, um, you know, Christine, who's our lovely mutual friend, who would be nearly remiss yeah. not to to mention, but like I'm sure you know when you were you know going around, she would have been explaining like how I'm sure you know yourself just how Catholic this country was and how much of a grip yeah. Catholicism had, and you know, it, really in the last like even. Uh, three four years like well gay marriage passed there i mean come on well i know amazing amazing like um and then more recently um repeal the eight which was um to legalize abortion and to make it free safe and legal here Uh, and it's just so funny because then you see is am i right in saying in alabama last week then that was Uh really stringent like really really horrible laws brought in like so where where do, do you do you does it feel hopeful on the ground in the states that things will change and um, this is our lowest point or is it oh my god i you know we need to cling to hope of course mm. um i my my little life raft in the midst of this stormy sea that we're on right now politically mm. is i do feel like these are the death throes of the patriarchy i really do i mm. feel like you know the old white guys see or sense in some uh, way that their power is about to shift and be taken away from them. And that, uh, you know, the earth can no longer sustain their greed and uh, uh, selfishness and lack of, you know, humanity, lack of kindness and, and, and uh, care for the people they supposedly represent. Um, and I think they sense that. And I think these are the last grasping, desperate measures they're taking to try to secure their own 
power in the future. And I think I have to believe that they will fail and mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, thank God, you know, women are uh, much more represented in Congress than they ever have been. Uh, not to say that all women are, you know, uh, uh, that, that there aren't women who have the same uh, kind of warped, selfish, power-hungry values that the old white men do. Mm -hmm. but, but in general, I think that women are part of the salvation. Uh, and my, minorities who have been powerless, powerless for so long are, 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 you know, taking back their power. And I think, I, you know, I, in the midterm elections, it, it was, thank God, uh, they went the way they did and that at least the Democrats got the House of Representatives to try to, uh, you know, hold to, to whatever extent they can hold this uh, corrupt government uh, in check. So um, I am I am optimistic because I, I have to be I, I can't go into the despair that it, it, it doesn't accomplish anything. So I'm I'm seeing this as the death throes of the patriarchy, and that helps me to sleep at night. Yeah, beautiful, you know? beautiful. No, well, it's nice to yeah. end on an optimistic note because I always feel a little bit more optimistic. Um, anytime I I see or even a little interaction, and it's been so nice talking to you. And I'm so glad that we've set up a framework to 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 make it happen in the next few months again and catch up because yeah. um. Yeah, you're a breath of fresh air, John, and I really appreciate you you, you doing it. And I'm so Thank blown you. away that you listen of your own volition. That's such a, a lovely thing. I to love remember. it. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. It's just wonderful. It's it's so real, and I I'm getting a sense of you know a deeper sense not only of you as a person, but but from your guests of the the Dublin art scene and and uh, uh, theater scene, which is just beautiful and. It, it makes me want to want to come visit again for sure brilliant well um and so i should also say that you've been kind enough to allow us to to play snippets of your beautiful beautiful music <laughs> uh, throughout the episode I'll, I'll, have, I'll have obviously um explain what's going on in the introduction in a little bit more detail but in terms of uh, and i'm also going to get a bio off you so people can see i mean the amazing list of things that you've done but in terms of like you know buying your music and getting to hear it in, yeah. in, in its full glory where's the best place for them to do that um, that they can go to my website, which is johnbucchino.com, and that's J-O-H-N-B-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. As I said to you, it's like zucchini, but with a B and an O instead of a Z and an I. Right. Maybe that's confusing. But anyway, <laughs> johnbucchino.com, and there all the CDs are available for download there. Uh, if they like certain songs and want to sing them, there's sheet music to download. There's piano accompaniment tracks. Uh, there's a children's book that I did with Julie Andrews and her daughter based on my song Grateful. There's um, no T-shirts or you know mugs, but, but pretty much every, everything else is, is available on the website. Amazing. Well, John Zucchini... Oh. <laughs> oh, wait a minute <laughs> uh, John Lucchino thanks so much for playing Personality Bingo you're, you're welcome Tom Moran <laughs> for the classes and the limousines and she's in a bar passed out with whiskey 
So guys, that was the amazing John Bucchino playing Personality Bingo. John, if you're listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. It was so nice to sit down and get to talk in in, in the environment of the podcast. And I can't wait to continue these chats um, as we discussed on the podcast, like in a new environment, whether that's just a phone call or a Skype call. Every few months to check in, I'd love that because it was so uh, nice and it's always really uh, fulfilling and enriching experience um, to hear what's going on with you. And um, I'm excited to get regular updates now and um, yeah be able to let you know what's going on with me too so that uh, has been another little blessing that this podcast has imparted on me so feeling very lucky uh, for all that as I said guys the belly button girls just finished up at the new theatre massive thank you to everyone who came out uh, to see it if you didn't come out and see it no worries Uh, hopefully it it might be back in some form Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that will look like right now but um, I think we're going to do something with it because it's a very special piece and it seemed to resonate with people again which is always such a privilege when um, you're work seems to mean something so uh, I'm very grateful for that and uh, really grateful to be uh, going away with Bingo Loco to Glasgow for the next uh, little while and then straight off to Vietnam for a little trip so these episodes have been stockpiled but um, stockpiled with love uh, and the wonderful Erin Lindsay is going to make sure that they uh, get out to you every week as always because I would hate to see without your regular dose of personality bingo Uh, go and check out our Patreon it's patreon.com forward slash personality bingo that means the world if you can support please do but most importantly a massive thank you to the boss woman Erin Lindsay as I said for mixing editing and producing this podcast she is the business to Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for their brilliant theme music to Connor Nolan for his gorgeous artwork and for Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for keeping the lights on here at Headstuff and for having us aboard the Headstuff podcast network we are so lucky to be aboard with so many other brilliant podcasts and as always a huge thank you to you for taking the time to listen if you are a new episode uh, or a new listener I should say that John's episode um, has, has brought you uh, aboard welcome aboard the family go check out there's tons more um, you know uh, I think if you like John's you're going to find a ton of others you like um, because um, yeah there's just loads of brilliant people in the world and I've been lucky to get down uh, and sit sit down with loads of them so um, go and check it out uh, we're so happy to have you aboard the podcast family and um, yeah I think that's all the talking that needs to be done. I feel like I had to go out with a long one, maybe because I'm not going to be here for the next five weeks, but I think I've said more than enough. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. <laughs>